0: Greetings, geeks. Adam here with a special announcement. As you may have seen on social media... A sad day has come to pass. Yes, we had to bid farewell to Wizards, the Patreon guide to comics. We certainly hyped it. We certainly put our all into creating some fantastic exclusive videos, podcasts, and more experiences for our patrons in the Poofs Pals, Crystals Cronies, and Big Cheese Tears. We thank you all for joining us, for being a part of that. Unfortunately, as life is starting to get back to normal, so then is the work experience Period, the family commitments so our time became more limited and as a result we just decided we wouldn't be able to truly create the type of content that we wanted for the patrons that they deserved and thus we said farewell to Wizards the Patreon guide to comics however that is not the end of the bonus fun no we had the 90s Super Cinema podcast which was exclusive to Patreon that will continue where we We choose one superhero or comic book-based movie from each year of the 90s. We let you vote on it on social media. Then we cover it in-depth, often with special guests who have a connection to that film. So 90s Super Cinema will continue. And and going forward, you will be able to select which movies you want to have us cover. And not only that, the previous episodes of 90s Super Cinema will now be released on the main feed as bonus episodes for you to enjoy. Held Back in the Vault's No more. They are released to you. And that being the case, I say we kick it off with a bang. Yes, we're going back to our very first episode of 90s Super Cinema with Stephen and Michael talking about Tim Burton's Batman from 1989 as you dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. (laughs)
1: Greetings, geeks, and welcome to Wizards, the podcast guide to comics. Patreon, this is the introductory Patreon episode, and we're going to be talking about a movie that, for me, is the thing that created me the way I am. Like, most of my life is based around this
2: movie. And, Stephen, what is the movie we're talking about today? We are talking about Tim Burton's immortal classic, Batman.
1: For me, like, I don't care that it, you know, Batman 89 or whatever. It'll always be just straight Batman to me. And this is a movie that, for me,
2: it legitimately changed the course of my life. Wow. No joke. I did not know this going in. Before this movie, I wanted to be a
1: cop when I grew up. Interesting. Then seven-year-old me saw Michael Keaton as Batman and said, I want to do that. I want to make movies. Not I want to be Batman. Well, yes, I want to be Batman.
2: <laughs> yes. But I knew I wanted to make movies because of this movie. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. And that's and this will be fun to talk about as we, as yeah. we dive in here.
1: And, and this is the really hard thing for me to say. It's very hard for me to be objective on this movie because so much of my life is
2: based on this movie. <laughs> Yeah, you know, this was not just a movie. This was like a phenomenon.
1: And and for us, we were born after Superman the movie came out. So this was like the first real anointing of a, a new superhero on the big screen. Because I think... I don't think I saw any of the Superman movies in the theaters, to be honest with you. I might have also mm-hmm. on either TV or this was the first time that I was a old enough to see a PG-13 movie with my mom and B, see a superhero movie in all its glory on the big screen.
2: Yeah. And, and this is the perfect movie to kick off our podcast, 90s Super Cinema, because this movie gave birth to the 90s kind of mini boom of comic book movies. This was like the, you know, the inflection point. This this started it all. So, Michael, to kick things off, we're going to talk about how this movie came to be. It's origin story, if you will. So, basically, producers Benjamin Melnicker and Michael E. Uslin purchased the movie rights to Batman from DC Comics in 1979 with the intention of making a dark and serious version of the character. So, at the time, the most well-known version of Batman was the 1960s Adam West series. And at this time, Batman's last live-action appearance was in the very, very terrible 1979 variety special Legends of the Superheroes. Have you seen this? No. Oh, my God. This is something special. Like, you know, Adam West reprises his role. Burt Ward reprises his role.
1: Is this like the uh, Star Wars Christmas special kind of a thing? Sort of. Oh, wait a minute. Is this the one where they did all the... Like the fake Justice League, they had the really bad costumes.
2: Yep. Yeah, and oh, there's like okay. the superhero roast with yeah, Green yeah, Lantern, yeah, Hawkman, yeah. okay. Flash. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've watched the whole thing. Is it on YouTube? It should be. Oh, it should wow. be. Yeah. I, I bought a bootleg like VHS many years ago. But... Oh, of
1: course you did. doesn't surprise me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's so awful. And so basically, you know, most studios had a hard time divorcing the image of the Adam West series, uh, you know, f- from the idea of Batman, they didn't see this dark and serious version. And to quote Michael Uslan from a Hollywood Reporter article, not only did they turn us down, they basically said, this is the worst idea we have ever heard. <laughs> yes, that is, how, that is how you know much the 60s series kind of uh, uh, flavored the impression of the character. Wow. So later, later in that year, uh, Hollywood producers John Peters and Peter Guber joined the project. And they brought on Superman writer, Tom Mankiewicz to write a draft, which he titled the Batman, which is funny because now that's the name of the the new Batman movie. Uh, Many directors were attached throughout the eighties, including Joe Dante of Gremlins, Ivan Reitman of Ghostbusters. Uh, There's rumors that Ivan Reitman wanted to cast Bill Murray as Batman, which would have been interesting. I don't know. I
1: guess guess if you wanted to lean into the Adam West style of a Batman.
2: Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And Joe Dante uh, said his choice for the Joker was John Lithgow, which okay. uh, he also came in apparently to meet with Tim Burton for the role of the Joker.
1: He becomes the so, Trinity killer later on in, uh, in pop culture. <laughs> he
2: well, and he, was, he was also like, you know, in, in uh, Brian De Palma's blowout, he's kind of a crazy serial killer in that. That's true. He was always playing crazy serial killers. So Dante decided to leave the project when he realized he cared more about the Joker than he did about Batman which is a problem that is sort of ironic given how the finished film turned out in some people's opinion.
1: So after the success of Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, uh, Warner Brothers attached a new director to the project and his name was Tim Burton. And writer Sam Hamm was brought in to write a new script, which pared down the story and borrowed heavily from Frank Miller's work, namely The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One. As soon as Burton's Beetlejuice became a big hit, it, Warner Brothers greenlit the movie with a $35 million budget, which wasn't it higher than
2: that at one point? Didn't they add money to it at certain That's times? That's what I saw. Let me see. Batman, let's be. I thought
1: it was like one of the first that had a $100 million budget or some of that at some
2: point. I, I don't think it, by that point, I don't think that was the case.
1: Maybe it was $35 million.
2: <laughs> Yeah, Wikipedia says $35 million. Okay, cool. Yeah, Uh, you know, there was a lot of discussion about who should play Batman with actors like Mel Gibson, Pierce Brosnan, and even Willem Dafoe considered for the part. But in the end, the producers settled on an unexpected choice. Burton's Beetlejuice star, Michael Keaton, who while mostly known for his comedic roles in movies like Night Shift and Mr. Mom, had recently done a dramatic turn with the movie Clean and Sober, which is what convinced them to cast him. Uh, To quote Burton, I just wanted to get away from the typical six foot five, hulking, square jawed guy, because I thought if a guy looks like that, why does he need to put on a bat suit? And somebody like Michael, who is basically average height, average looking guy, and the idea of transforming him into Batman, that was the point of the character to me. And Michael, you know, he's got such great eyes also, since a lot of it is behind the mask. That's important. Now, do you remember the controversy surrounding Michael Keaton Oh, people were Batman? going
1: nuts because they're like, Mr. Mom is going to be Batman? He's a comedian. This is terrible. He's small. He's not muscular. Yada, yada, yada. People were going crazy. I had this theory that they cast Michael Keaton and, and Jack Nicholson because if you look at them very closely, just at their eyes – their eyebrows are very, very similar in the way that they both kind of come to a point. And this is me looking very deep into this, where like the Joker and Batman are like the opposites of two to, of a coin, like, mm-hmm. but, but they have a lot of similarities, even though they're polar opposites. And the like the way their eyes looked and their eyebrows in particular, always to me was like a they they have that similar look in that in their face in 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 the eyes in particular.
2: It's interesting that you say that because that was Tim Burton in reading like, you know, past interviews with him. That was kind of his take that they were kind of two sides of the same coin. And and as we talk about this, we'll see how much uh, Tim Burton tied the Batman and, and, uh, and Joker origin stories together, right. which was a very new idea at the time. Yeah. So yeah, so to keep going with that off your point, the name above the marquee, the big man, the shocking star turn that made it cool to be a villain in comic book movies. That was Jack Nicholson, an Oscar winning movie star giving a, a gonzo crazy performance as the Joker that this was a gigantic deal. Yeah. I get. Mean, the, f- the
1: fact that he got top billing in this movie is still to this day. People are like the movie's called Batman, but the Joker gets the top billing. It's so crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, similar to Gene Hackman in Superman, the movie, another big name actor playing a villain. But with this, you know, Lex Luthor was more or less an average person. Right. He didn't, he didn't have a crazy costume. Uh, he only showed the ball bald cap at the end. Whereas this is like, it's Jack Nicholson in a purple suit with the clown makeup. He goes all in on this performance.
1: All in. He holds
2: nothing back.
1: He holds nothing back. And I mean, you always know that it's Jack Nicholson just because of his presence, but like he became this version of the Joker, you know, he, he embodied what, what version of the Joker they wanted. He broke away from the Cesar Romero style of the Joker, but he has similarities to that as well. But it was just such a well-rounded and strong performance that he steals every scene in the movie.
2: Yeah. Somehow he's both Jack Nicholson and the Joker in the same movie, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh, like totally. he's, do- he's doing his Jack Nicholson thing, but he- there's this other layer to it, this weirdness, this kind of crazy aspect to him that n- now as I watch it, I find it very enjoyable to see him giving that kind of, that kind of performance. Right, I agree. Which, yeah, w- which uh, again, set the tone for comic book movie villains for, I'd say, the next 20 years. I'd say easily until probably
1: Heath Ledger does it again. <laughs>
2: you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So the movie
1: also features Kim Basinger as Vicki Vale, Michael Guff as
2: Alfred. Sadly, uh, he ended up getting McGregor syndrome yeah. later on.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> Tragic Sad. end for Michael uh, Guff and uh, McGregor syndrome. And Pat Hingle
1: as Commissioner Gordon. And... Jack Palance as Carl Grisham and my personal favorite movie is Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent, who's given very little to do, but it was always like alluded that you want to see him become Two-Face at some point, which he never does, of of course.
2: Yeah, and Tim Burton's initial idea, he did cast him with the plan to turn him into Two-Face and he had this idea to do like a half black, half white kind of Two-Face. Really? Which is a very controversial Strange idea now, but at the time, it seemed very interesting.
1: Yeah. Initially, the character of Dick Grayson had a small appearance where his parents were murdered by the Joker during a chase scene with Batman in which Batman was on a horse. Have you ever seen the
2: storyboard of this? Yes, I have. Yes, it's on the DVD. It's
1: on the DVD for like the 25th anniversary uh, because it's the original ending of the film. I know a little bit more about this that I can go into later.
2: Oh, yeah. That excites me. Yeah.
1: So Grayson was even cast. First, they offered it to Keeper Sutherland, funny enough. Wow, I guess he would have been in his early 20s then or, or late teens, maybe. It was around the time of uh, Stand By know, Me and, and all those. And movies, Lost Boys, Lost probably, Boys yeah. probably. Yeah. Who turned it down. And then supposedly it went to an actor named Ricky Addison Reed whose only on-screen credit was in Return to Salem's Lot. They ended up dropping the scene, and you can only find it as a storyboard sequence on the Batman
2: DVDs. So do you know why they dropped this scene? I had heard because they thought that they were introducing too many characters. They had Batman, the Joker, and the movie was just becoming becoming too overstuffed. But if you know something more, I want to know more.
1: There's an interview with Jack Nicholson and Tim Burton. Jack said while they were filming the movie that he hated this ending. And they went to a diner in London and sat down and rewrote the ending to be the clock tower bell tower ending that you see in the movie. Jack and Tim Burton sat there and did it.
2: That I'd heard. I'd heard it was one of the producers and they had seen Phantom of the Opera. And that they kind of wanted that kind of gothic ending. I wasn't sure where the Robin scene happened in the movie originally. Because in that scene, it's Bruce Wayne on horse. And then Alfred drives by and like tosses him a briefcase with the costume.
1: Which it feels very Adam Westy to do that kind of a thing. Which is uh, probably why they took it out. Because it doesn't feel, it doesn't carry the same darkness as the rest of the movie does.
2: You know, no, that that I mean, you know, Robin's my favorite comic book character that the way it was written would have just felt tagged on and strange. Yeah. And Batman on horse. I know it worked in Dark Knight Returns. I think it would have looked a little weird in this movie. (laughs) I think so.
1: And that's the funny thing. So they like they say the movie is pulls from from Dark Knight Returns. I can't put my finger on one thing in this movie that is Dark Knight Returns.
2: Yeah, I got you. I would say some of the um, the media stuff, the way they pepper in those news reports, okay, is right. very Dark Knight Returns. That's what I would say. Is like that kind of 1980s style newscast journalism, tabloid journalism. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is pretty uh, pretty similar to Dark Knight Returns. Okay, I will
1: agree with that. I'll give you that. That sounds right.
2: That's my take.
1: Okay, good. Everybody talks about this movie in a lot of different ways, but. The one thing that's very big is there was so much promotion to this movie. The, the promotion and marketing materials and the trailers, it was everywhere. The trailer was released months before the movie to ease all the comic geeks worries that this would be another 66 Batman movie. And here's a funny fact about that. So I mentioned and I've said this before in the podcast that my mother took me to see this movie. And we went on the last day of like second grade in June on June 23rd. We had bought tickets ahead of time or whatever. I think we waited in line like four hours to buy the tickets. Wow. And went to see the movie. And my mother hated it. <laughs> really? She hated it because she didn't like the way the cape looked in relation to the way the 66 Batman cape looked.
2: That was her take?
1: That was her take.
2: Is your mom in any sort of fashion design, costuming?
1: No, no. Nothing. She's like, I didn't like that leather cape. I I like the shiny blue cape that that Adam West had in in the 60s. I said, that's it? And she's like, yeah, I didn't like the movie because of that. I was like, oh,
2: okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Another fun fact about this, and I don't want to go off topic too much, but do you remember back in the day when you go to a movie theater and they'd play music in the theater before the movie would start and you see like the little things on screen like the you know the quizzes and all that kind of stuff
2: yeah and like the local business uh, ads yeah so um
1: when we went we had gotten there so early got the tickets and they led us into our theater we're sitting there waiting and starting to fill in they were playing a cd of gloria estefan's like let it loose album okay <laughs> and probably for the next decade I would only associate that album with the Batman movie as if it was a, a conjunction of the soundtrack to the movie, was because we would listen to the entire album while we're waiting for this movie to come on the screen. And it was just like embedded in my brain. Whenever I hear that album to this day, I'm like, it reminds me of sitting in the theater with my mom waiting for that movie to start.
2: That's so specific. That's, so, that's such a strange memory. It's a
1: strange, strange memory.
2: Yeah. So to, to go on, uh, so this movie was released finally after a decade of development on June 23rd, 1989, which is my wedding anniversary. And it's also the date that I, uh, that I had my first date with my wife. And I point this out because in, a, in our wedding uh, speech, my father-in-law started asking me trivia questions because I love bar trivia. And one of the questions he asked me was what happened on June 23rd, 1989 in front of like our whole wedding ceremony. And I said, Batman came out and people were shocked that I knew this, <laughs> but I was how like, they
1: be, if they know you, how could they be shocked that you know this?
2: Exactly. People were like, did, did, did he feed you the answers? I'm like, no, of course not. I, you, you think I didn't know what happened on June 23rd, 1989. And because of that uh, for our last anniversary, Anna bought me uh, the Batman 1989 poster that says June 23rd on the bottom. So, cool. yes, it's hanging in my back I have, room.
1: I have one in the cylinder, actually. So, I haven't put, I haven't put it in the Oh, yeah.
2: you got to get that framed. I know. Uh, so, this was a crowded movie summer, uh, as I'm sure you remember. There oh, was, yeah. they was besides this was, Batman. This was chock a block full. Go ahead. Oh, my God. Classics, classics. There was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ghostbusters 2, which I was probably even more excited for, (laughs) Star Trek 5, License to Kill, When Harry Met Sally, Karate Kid 3, and even Weekend at Bernie's. But Batman reigned supreme that summer. It was an immediate success, cultural phenomenon. It went on to earn over $400 million, according to, to Wikipedia.
1: I wonder if you did the math and upscaled it to today, if that would be a billion dollars.
2: I'm assuming if we look at something like box office mojo, it would tell us, but yeah, yeah it was, it was gigantic. Um, so I guess we'll kick things off with the question. And you sure. kind of talked about, about this a little bit. When was the first time you heard about 1989 Batman? We're aware of it.
1: It probably was either on like a uh, entertainment tonight or um, a movie trailer in a movie theater. Like, you know, it's it's one of those things where you'd see it like they, it was advertised all over the place for months ahead of time. But I feel like the first time I ever saw it was either a, a trailer somewhere at a movie theater. Even though I probably never saw PG thirteen before before this movie, it may have seen it in another movie. But um definitely Entertainment Tonight on TV. I think I would have to say. How about you? Okay.
2: So the previous summer, we were at a party at like one of our neighbor's houses, you know, family, kids, everything. And I was known kind of as the Batman kid in my neighborhood (laughs) because I was obsessed. There you go. But like I was obsessed with 60s Batman. Like it was my life. Like that was all I ever wanted to talk about.
1: Oh, I watched it all the time. Yeah. All the time.
2: Oh my God. Lived for it. And so one of like my friend's moms was like, did you hear that they're making a Batman movie? I was like, what? And she goes, yeah. And they cast Michael Keaton as Batman. And I said, and in my head, I thought that Michael Keaton was Michael J. Fox because Michael J. Fox played Michael Keaton or played Alex Keaton Alex on, Family, Heaton, yeah. on yeah. Family Ties. So I was like, I don't know if that works. <laughs> I was like, why doesn't he play Robin? He's like a little guy.
1: He's young. He's little.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. And then I remember one, you know, one day I was in my my room and my dad started yelling, like, "Steven, come here now. The Batman trailer's on TV. And I, like, ran into my living room, and there was that trailer, like that first trailer that mm-hmm. dropped. It was on the E-channel, and I caught most of it. The E-channel existed back then? It did, yeah. It was channel 30 on Cablevision. I don't know if we even had cable back then. <laughs> oh, well, well, we, well, we had cable. But my mom would, would not have been able to live without cable. So then the next day, I, was, I watched the E-channel the entire day like my friend
1: again. to
2: see if it came on again. My friends were outside playing. My brother was like, "What what are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just waiting for this trailer." And sure enough, it came back on. It was so exciting. And I remember one of my big takeaways was, "Huh, ah, it's weird they didn't show Robin in the trailer." <laughs> Where is he?
0: Where's Robin? <laughs> oh,
2: so, moving on from that, you know, we talked about what your mom's opinion when she first saw it, and we talked a little bit about your first opinion when you first saw it but talk a little bit more what did you think when you first saw this movie
1: i couldn't wait to see it again okay it is the only movie to this day that i've
2: seen three times in the theater really yeah three so you saw batman 1989 three times as a seven-year-old
1: as a seven-year-old once with just my mom once with my mom and dad and then once with my uh one of my cousins that brought me a couple a couple of weeks later, he wanted to see it. It's like, i to go see Batman. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. So here's the thing I remember. And this is one of the things that stands out in my brain the most. Do you remember the moment when the Batwing flies up in front of the moon? Mm-hmm. Yes. To this day, I've never heard an audience explode in joy and excitement as I had in that moment in that film. People were screaming their heads off as if they had just seen the Beatles walk out in front of us. It was like (laughs) it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in a movie theater. People
2: were losing their minds. Oh man, that's that's so cool. And you know I was I was I've been watching it and I you know I keep keep it on in the background. That shot is just so iconic. It's
1: beautiful. It's like I know it's done with, like, miniatures or whatever, but it is breathtaking. Like, it's just such a beautiful way they shot that thing, and it's just awesome.
2: It, um, yeah, it almost seems as though time freezes in for a mallet. second. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: I saw it at the South Shore Cinemas in Bayshore, New York, at what is now – it's now Lord & Taylor – but it's going out of business and being torn down again. So who knows what it's going to be next? But yes,
2: <laughs> maybe a movie theater again. Maybe, maybe a movie a theater. The circ- circle of life
1: could be a multiplex before we know it. Who knows? What about you?
2: So, so here's a funny story. So I was super excited for it. I love Batman. One day I'm, you know, uh, my mom goes, "Oh, they're talking about the Batman movie on a current affair tonight," which was, you know, a tabloid newspaper mm-hmm. show hosted by Maury Povich. and so I raced home. My brother was playing. Uh, Little League we raced home from Little League I taped it and in and it was kind of like a Batman 1989 hit piece where they were speculating that it was going to be this giant bomb and in this they talk about how the producers didn't want to put Robin in the movie because they thought it would be too cheesy and they had an interview with Adam West where Adam West says that when he found out that Michael Keaton was cast as Batman and not him he cried for an hour and my anger started to seethe. and i was like these hollywood phonies going up against <laughs> they're ruining Watt. my
1: movie they're ruining my movie <laughs>
2: so i was so angry like it was my first instance of like you know comic geek rage mm-hmm. where it's like screw batman 1989 or just <laughs> screw the batman movie i'm not gonna see it and my parents love batman and they they dragged me to see it <laughs> with my brother and the whole time i was complaining i'm like this is stupid robin's not in it blah 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 but i have to admit i didn't like i did like it and then by the time it came out on video i just loved it so in that kind of six month window my opinion changed okay good so yes for those
1: of you guys who don't know back in the day movies didn't hit digital or dvd or vhs a month after the theater it took months like We didn't get this VHS till Christmas is when it came out. This movie came out in June. Yes. And I actually have something from that time. This is probably one of the only things that I still have that is original from 89 is the Matchbox cars or Hot Wheels Batmobile.
2: Oh, we had that too i had
1: this i had the joker's van that came with Mm -hmm. and a a batwing that i don't know where it is and i also have this uh, motorcycle that does not appear in the movie but it is meant to be an accessory of the batman in this movie
2: now was that one of the toys that was like a repurposed robocop toy because that happened with all those Batman 89 toys.
1: I, ha- I have
2: the other one that's smaller. That's also the repurposed
1: RoboCop one, too. Because the RoboCop one was like a white and blue and silver. Mm-hmm. The other one, is, the Batman one is blue and black and gray. Okay. <laughs> but this one was kind of cool because it had these little wings that popped out for no apparent reason. Yes. But they were cool. And it had a little kickstand, which is, which was didn't need. But I just figured yeah. I'd share it.
2: That's why I recognize that because my 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 brother is your age. He's mm-hmm. a year younger than me, and he saved up money for a while to buy that Robocop motorcycle. <laughs> so that's how I recognize that is the Robocop motorcycle. But yeah, this
1: is exactly like the motor- Robocop my- motorcycle, but just with Batman wings on the side of it. So yes,
2: yeah. So as we talk about this movie, I, I want to talk about the Danny Elfman score and okay. your thoughts on that. So.
1: Danny Elfman has never done anything as good since this movie at all, bar none. And all he's ever tried to do since Batman 89 was recreate the majesty that is the Batman 89 soundtrack, in my opinion.
2: Well, even in Justice League, they repurposed. They literally (laughs)
1: used the same thing. Yeah, He said in an interview, he's like, the only soundtrack that Batman could ever have is the one that I made period. Like,
2: and I and I totally agree and even you know in subsequent Batman movies they've never been able to match no. that I'm theme. Close. And even the the animated series uses the exact same thing
1: yeah, pretty much. It's it's slightly different but it's almost identical to to a certain extent.
2: Yeah, it's almost like how you know when I think of Superman I think of John Williams.
1: Right. Score. Absolutely. It's the, like it's the only thing you can ever whenever you hear that sound of superman from the john williams soundtrack it's just you know it within the first couple chords same thing with this particular batman score you hear the first two notes and you know what it is without even thinking about it
2: and i would say that i can't even think of two other superheroes you know or i can't think of any other superhero scores besides those two that are as iconic i mean even with all these mcu movies which are great and i love them I can't think of a single piece of music that is as iconic as the Batman theme and the Superman theme.
1: Even the Dark Knight trilogy, like I I have all those soundtracks, but they still don't resonate the way those two songs were, those two scores. You know, it's like you have if if you had to think of like the pantheon of movie scores, you got, you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws, superman and batman those are like the biggest five that i could ever think of in my life
2: four of those are john williams
1: right four of them are john williams exactly <laughs> so.
2: what about the electra score doesn't that match up the 2005 electra movie oh that's, it's, that's on par it's like holy cow <laughs> just kidding i don't i don't mean to crap on electra <laughs> but i do yeah. uh yeah it's i mean it's for me my favorite uh piece of music that he wrote in that he wrote for this movie is called descent into mystery yes it's that scene when man is driving vicky vale to the Batcave, cave and they're driving through like those kind of autumn leaves
1: oh it's so good it's so and good she,
2: and and you know there's no there's no dialogue in that scene yeah it's just her looking at him and trying know. to get a read on this guy and
1: Then he gives you that that great side eye and Mm -hmm. then flips the light on on her it's so great yeah
2: yeah that that's my favorite uh score or piece of music that he that he wrote for this
1: yeah it's I mean the whole thing is fantastic they just do you know of a company called Mondo yes I do so Mondo just released a 30th anniversary or or yeah I think 30th they released it like about a year or so ago vinyl of the Danny Elfman Elfman uh, soundtrack and it is Beautiful. Like oh 40 nice. 40 bucks for a vinyl, but it's really, really cool. And I wanna like I don't even have a record player and I wanna get it. <laughs> Just
2: because I have a record player and, and I know you do, that's what I'm telling a, you. A record player is about the same price right now as that <laughs> one vinyl. So <laughs> so go for it. It's true. Uh the other interesting piece of music that came out of this, or entire album that came out of this. This is wh- a
1: movie that has two soundtracks. How bizarre yes.
2: is that? Is uh Is the Prince soundtrack or the Prince. Prince basically was hired to write a couple songs, was so inspired by the movie that he wrote an entire album, which is kind of a strange album and has a very strange music video where he kind of does like the old circus uh, sideshow freak, half man, half woman thing, Mm -hmm. but half Batman, half half Joker. Yeah. What's your take on that one?
1: So I don't like the Bat Dance song. Yes, but almost every other song on that album, I love. In particular, is the song that only shows up in the credits, which is scandalous.
2: How does that one go again? D- am I going to make you? I'm sing not
1: going to sing it. Are you insane?
2: <laughs> the <laughs> one you know that, that I think the one that's that's most known is Trust. Yes, because that's during the parade scene when Joker's
1: just. <laughs> and, and then there's the the one that they do in the in the museum.
2: The museum.
1: Yeah, when he, when he's when he's damaging like the Guggenheim or, or Flugenheim or whatever they yes. call it. <laughs> yes, yes. That song shows up twice.
2: Okay, yes. It's kind of the Joker song of the movie, yeah. but it's...
1: I really like that album a lot and I have a close connection to Prince because we share the same birthday.
2: So, oh, interesting.
1: Oh, yeah. We're both June 7th and we both love Batman, though so I have to love it.
2: <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's,
1: it's almost not fair not to.
2: <laughs> sure. Uh, and so let's talk about what I think is almost uh, the third main character in this movie, Gotham city.
1: Oh yeah. Gotham city is its own character in this movie without question. It was designed by Anton first, which combines like modern looks with 1930s, 1940s, 1950s design. And it's not all realistic, but for me, like this felt like Gotham city. It felt a little small at times, but for the most part, it feels like what Gotham city would be to me. What about you?
2: Yeah. And that's what I, I really like. I mean, I think there was kind of a backlash against these movies after Batman and Robin, and they decided to do this whole realistic Batman in a real city kind of thing with the uh, dark Knight trilogy. Uh, And now that we're, post dark knight trilogy i look back at this and there's something really cool about it not being a real city a
1: real city right absolutely
2: it's it's almost like this fantasy manufactured kind of comic book landscape almost like a upside down version of of new york
1: it's almost a city out of time as well if you think about it like
2: sure sure and i think you know there was this whole thing in Batman Returns, Tim Burton didn't want to use the same sets as they used in this first movie which I, and think, I, feel, is a,
1: which I think is a detriment to that movie
2: uh, completely and I and that's one thing I don't like about Batman Returns is that set just looks like you know a Hollywood backlot. it looks like yeah. it looks small it looks not very well thought out whereas this city just looks lived in yeah. you believe it when you see that you know that family running across in the opening scene and you think it's going to be the Batman origin story. Right.
1: You think you get, you get the feeling right out the gate. Like, is this him as a kid? Like, this is, you know, this is real. This is what's going to happen. And you're like, and, and, but then you see the shadow cast across. You're like, Oh boy.
2: Yes. Yeah. And like the way the smoke just comes out of the ground and the Axis chemical factory. There's just so many beautiful set pieces in this movie. It feels like a real city while also feeling like a comic book heightened reality version of a city absolutely so speaking of that let's talk about crime alley and that scene and now you know i think now people take for granted the crime alley scene because we've seen it a I, th- million I times. i think i've seen thomas and martha wayne killed what 30 40 times at Easily. this point uh and this was the first time in either live action or i believe even animation where you saw the origin of batman I don't think most mainstream people knew that this was the origin of Batman outside of comic book fans it's It's talked about briefly in the pilot of of the sixties Batman series the, brief, the, uh, briefly
1: very, very briefly
2: brief. but to to see it laid out in this way it was it was very novel, it was very new, yeah, and I think yeah. that's been lost to time
1: It's also kind of visceral in a way, you know? yeah, because like for me, I look at that that particular scene. And even the scene when he goes to Crime Alley to lay the roses down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a, it's a real feel. Like, if if you could imagine a little kid seeing that happen and essentially reliving that memory over and over again in their head. It's one of the few scenes that, that's shot very tight in a lot of cases of it, you know? And it just feels unique to the movie and i don't like how many times they've tried to recreate it one of the things that i like about the mcu spider-man movies is we haven't seen uncle ben get killed for the hundredth time
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: you know we everyone knows where what the driving force is and at this point 30 years after this movie everybody knows the driving force of batman is this if you don't know go buy a comic (laughs) (laughs) buy a comic
2: yeah and i mean i feel like um I believe it's in Batman Year One, but that close-up of the pearls hitting the ground. I mean, that's what, that's what you think about when you think about uh, the origin of Batman. That image is just burned in my brain. Question, do you
1: have this? I do, yes. So one of my cousins had this, and I did not have it as a kid. And I was like, where did you get this? And I remember reading it and rereading it over and over again. I read this before I read Batman Year One.
2: We should mention for the audio podcast that this is the adaptation oh, of yes. the Batman yes. eighty nine.
1: So for those of you guys who are listening to us on the podcast and not watching us on YouTube, um, what I'm talking about here is the movie adaptation graphic novel of Batman eighty nine with Batman, Michael Keaton on the cover and, and Joker on the cover, and it's and I ended up getting this decades later. I don't even know where I got I think maybe eBay I found it. And I was like, I just had to order it and buy it. But it's this graphic novel, we'll talk about it more later, is almost panel for panel, the movie. It's just a, such a good comic. They actually just recently re-released it as well, and uh, in a hardcover edition. Oh, really? And I
2: think I, think I saw that.
1: I haven't I, bought it, but I want to get it just to see if there's anything else in it. But
2: Yeah, I've had that, I've had that version since like the early 90s. I bought it at a store called Heroes World on Long Island. Okay, and, I've heard of uh, Hero's World. It was a big deal. It was a big distributor. It was. And now it's gone forever. Yes. Uh, And so we can't talk about the crime alley scene without talking about that shocking reveal at the end of the crime alley scene. Something that was that was original to this movie.
1: And only to this movie.
2: Yeah. Unless. So now there's this Joker movie that came out. (laughs) Was it last year? Yeah, but Joker doesn't shoot them in this movie. Really? Is that how it ends? Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Remind me of the Joker movie. I have no memory of this movie.
1: Okay. So in the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, Joker initiates a citywide riot, and Joe Chill, wearing a Joker mask and pulls it off, robs the pearls and and shoots the Waynes, but Joaquin Phoenix does not shoot and kill them.
2: Okay, I got confused. I, I thought I heard there was... Originally, it was supposed to be that Joker kills Batman... Or Bruce Wayne's parents, but he also kills Bruce Wayne. That was the original ending of Joker. Well, that's interesting.
1: But I guess they didn't do it that way. They didn't. I, yeah, no. But for, for those of you guys who have not seen Batman 89, what they do in this movie is they establish that Jack Napier, the preconceived version of the Joker, which other than this, mo- this movie, they don't really say that Jack Napier is the Joker prior to this. Like they've never said that they're one of the same. Joker's always been in, an anomaly or an enigma, like uh, an agent of chaos with no name and no identity. But what they establish in this movie is that the young gangster Jack Napier shoots and kills thomas and martha wayne which then is the driving force to thrust bruce wayne to becoming batman as he gets older
2: yes which is for some comic book fans a very controversial
1: oh people hate it i don't i like it a lot
2: i feel the same way i think i think you always have to take things for what they are and the comic book is one thing But this movie is something completely different. And the theme of this movie is basically that Batman and Joker, two sides of the same coin. They're two scarred, damaged individuals uh, who are doing battle. Yeah. And one, and they created each other. One does not exist without the other. And I think that's kind of a nice poetic, if you will, uh, take on the story.
1: I also believe that if you take audiences in 1989 and just say, that the person that killed Martha and Thomas Wayne is this nameless, faceless shadow mm-hmm. that we get—we get no payoff as to whom that person is. People would be mad. The general so public, too. like the general non-comic fans, would be like, "Well, who ki- who killed the parents? Like, how do we not know? Like, how- there, there's no—you know—in cinema, you need to ha- you need to close all the loops. You know, you need to figure out where the how to dot the I's and cross the T's. If you just said it was some random stranger, then yes. everyone will be mad. I mean, in in Batman Begins, they say that it's Joe Chill. They don't say that it's just some random guy. Like you had to know who that person was, otherwise the audiences won't get it.
2: The other thing is this movie lays out Batman's origin as sort of a mystery. It doesn't uh come out right away in the opening scene and say, this is Batman, this right. is how it happened to him, like Superman the movie does. Vicki Vale is discovering aspects of his life right and so for you for them to hold off that reveal that his parents were murdered until that you know that scene when he flashes back to it it was
1: like the end of the second act essentially
2: yeah it's it's a nice touch and i think they do it really really well yeah and they cast a great guy to play the young jack nicholson He looks just like him.
1: oh man (laughs) it's it's eerie how much they got this guy to look like jack nicholson as a young guy it's crazy
2: it's dead on it's it's
1: totally dead on The other thing that a lot of people complain about with this movie is they don't show like Bruce Wayne building his arsenal. Like they don't how how he builds the Batcave, how he builds the Batmobile, how he becomes Batman. Like he's just, he's already Batman when the movie starts. He's been, you know, if you think of it as this is maybe year two or like in the middle of year one of some sort, they don't really say when it is. And I don't care, personally. People complain about that. Like, this guy, how did he learn
2: to fight? You know, where did he get all this stuff? I'm like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Yeah. I, yeah, it's... Uh, plus, you know, Michael Keaton's, what, 38 when he made this movie?
1: I think it's maybe like, uh maybe 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around
2: there. He's had time. He's yeah. had some time to, to become Batman. Yeah, he's you know, figured it out. <laughs> he's had time to build that cave. And, you know, we should talk about that that Batcave, yes, because that that Batcave is awesome.
1: It's awesome. It's the best uh, Batcave of any Batman movie or iteration, maybe aside from Batman the Animated Series.
2: Don't, don't, no, the sixties Batcave? Come on, that's the best one. The Bat computer, the poles. Oh, oh, oh.
1: The the Batman eighty nine Batcave is so massive. It's like like a city of itself.
0: It's yes. so big,
1: you know, like the, the when he pulls the Batmobile into the big landing area that spins around or he's got like, you know, the stairs to all the different levels of the things. And I mean, my favorite, favorite, favorite moment in the entire movie is when Alfred is closing up the vault of the Batcave and Batman is standing above him asking about the file on his parents and Alfred closes it and you hear the sound of the thing closing. And it echoes throughout the entire Batcave. And he says, I don't want to spend the, my last remaining years mourning over the loss of old friends or their sons. And the door and the thing closes. It is the best
2: moment in the whole movie. Yeah. M- Michael Guff is so good in this movie. So good.
1: And he, he's the best Alfred to me without question.
2: I can yeah, I can see that. I think Michael Caine does a very interesting thing with it, does something new with it. They do a, a much bigger uh relationship.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh but I just love Michael Guff. You know, just in that scene when he's telling stories to Vicky Vale about it, which Bruce Wayne. We don't the, the one problem I have with that scene is you don't know where that is. Is it the kitchen? Is it like a
1: study? Is it a cupboard? <laughs> it's a weird room. It's a big house, right? You know. But <laughs> It's it's a cool, it's a, it's a cool room. It's a cool scene. And like, you know, he just, he comes off as so genuine, but yet so much Alfred, you know, like. Yes. Like, it's he, like the doting father type of version of him, you know?
2: But you also believe that Bruce Wayne grew up in this kind of icy giant mansion with just Alfred, and maybe that wasn't enough for him. Maybe he needed a family. Like both these things are true in this movie. Let me also add, while we talk about the Batcave, do you remember when you were a kid and you just wanted to be Batman? Maybe you feel this way now.
1: I still do, yes.
2: But do you remember looking at that car and that Batcave and just wanting to be him, wanting to live that life? Without question. And it's such a shame that when you watch Batman movies now, And I love the Dark Knight trilogy. I hate the Ben Affleck ones. That they don't do that anymore. They don't do it. You don't want to be Batman. He's just so tortured and miserable, and his stuff isn't that cool. And you know, the cave's not that cool. Whereas this, like, I want to live in that cave. I want to drive that car. So
1: that's the funny thing about the Michael Keaton version of Batman. You know, he's he's tortured, but not in the same way. Like he has this unique blend of how he shows emotion as Bruce Wayne in particular. Like when they had that big Casino Night scene, he's this goofy, dum dum that he that he portrays in the real world. But
0: mm-hmm. then you
1: have the moments where he's you know in front of the courthouse when you know when Joker kills uh, the gangsters and whatever, and then he's yes. walking in a crime alley. You see this this blend of how. They 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 show the Bruce Wayne character and he's not always moping. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, he's got different sides of him. Whereas like every mo- every image that I've seen from the Batman movie coming out with the Matt Reeves Batman movie. Yes. Robert Pattinson. It's like that guy's Batman. <laughs> like, like he's always miserable. <laughs> it's always, it's just, he's <laughs> he's got to be Batman. Come on. <laughs> yeah. There's no question.
2: And, I, I, and look, I'm really excited about this Matt Reeves Batman movie. I can't wait to see it. I just wish in all these alternate universe movies that they're making, they would just make one where it's kind of cool to be Batman. Where you, like, just let them have some fun. We know your parents are dead. We get it. Right. Drive your cool car and, and beat up some bad guys. Like, that's what, you know. I, I think
1: they tried to do that with Batman Forever, but they had to shoo in that, alfred is dying (laughs)
2: like that's batman and robin that's batman and robin
1: i'm sorry batman and robin yes you know they're trying to give batman more tragedy by (laughs) killing off alfred in the movie like come on he's gotten over his parents now his his surrogate father's gonna die great (laughs) yeah they
2: they always struggle with the post first batman movie stories what to do with the character yeah uh yeah uh so Let's stay on track because otherwise Adam will accuse us of going off on tangents and play yes. the tangent, uh, the sound
1: tangent effect yes. that he's built for us. So let's talk about the promotion of this movie. Uh, we should mention that leading up to this movie, uh, the country went through what we could only describe as bat fever. And they actually call it that a couple times on different advertisements. It's like the country's got bat fever. Well, most of the eighties, Batman was considered a cheesy character. He suddenly had like a rebirth or a rejuvenation, if you will.
2: Yes. So the bat symbol was on everything. It was on t shirts, hats, sneakers. There was a Batman cereal, which was great and tasted like Mr. T cereal. Because... Here's one piece of merch I have for you. Oh, oh. Whoa. It's a Batman cereal magnet. I collect serial Batman's. magnets.
1: I collect I collect magnets. I don't collect serial magnets, but I, I only collect. have
2: serial magnets. Yeah. <laughs> Batman serial magnet. So another thing that was going on at this time, and, and tell me if you remember this, people were shaving the bat symbol into their heads.
1: Yes. Yes. It was like I a... wanted to do this. My mother wouldn't let me. I was like, do it. We'll put it right here. It'll be fantastic. Now I've got no hair there and I can't
2: do it anymore. <laughs> Let's just say your mom made the right call there. It was ridiculous. It was I, awesome. I remember I remember our town bar, barber refused to do it for kids. Kids would come in and ask, he'd say, No, I'm not. shaving. I think I saw it. At-
1: I think I saw it in like an entertainment weekly magazine where there was like just picture of people just buzzing their heads with the bat symbols. Like, yeah. this is
2: fantastic. I love it. Well, the interesting thing was there was like no Batman merchandise for most of the eighties. None. You know, there were the superpowers toys, but it wasn't what it, what it eventually became. Like if I wanted
1: the most marketed thing on earth, I feel like.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like if I wanted a Batman t-shirt, you know, good luck. (laughs) They just didn't exist. And every now and again, you'd find one and it was the uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez version. Which is amazing. It's it is. still my favorite version. But, you know, kids would always make fun of me for watching Batman because it was this old TV show. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, at the end of the decade, when, when people were going crazy for Batman, I was like, hey, I, you know, I always like Batman, and you guys made fun of me. And they were just like, shut up. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. you yeah, putting I, your Batman toys. I,
1: I will admit, like, after I saw Batman 89 in the theaters, I would watch the, the 60s show on... You know, WPIX or whatever it was showing on.
2: Family Channel picked it up after the uh, 89 movie.
1: Yeah. And we would watch it all that. I watched it on repeat. Like it would be sitting there for three hours and I would just watch it as, as a kid in the summer every single day, all day.
2: Yeah. It was, it was the best. And it still is the best. Speaking of, speaking of merchandising, we must talk about the action figures. Oh, God.
1: Yeah. So the action figures. I, should have got the ones out that i just bought that are down in the basement because i have a lot so it was kind of funny um my in-laws were clearing out their house this past weekend to like get rid of old stuff and they found all of my wife's old barbies and like beanie babies and stuff like that and, and they're like we should sell these on ebay and i'm like <laughs> i'm like yeah I don't have any of my Batman action figures from when I was a kid. My mother gave them all away or my cousins broke them on me yeah, or whatever. And now as a 38 year old man, I'm trying to reclaim them <laughs> at, at 10 times the price of what I got them as a kid.
2: <laughs> well, cause there, there was like that first set that came out, mm-hmm. right? Like the toy biz line with a Joker that you could put the, uh, like the water squirt in the back. Was,
1: yep, I had that. I had Bob
2: the Joker's goon. Yes, um, and, and, and I, Batman. There were three yeah. action figures in that line, Batman, Bob the Goon, and Joker, yep. and they were really poor quality.
1: Poor quality, other than the, the, the ratcheting bat belt that didn't make any sense. Like, he doesn't do that in the movie, but it's cool, no. I don't care. And it was supposed to be able to clip around. He could hold it, and it never would clip
2: to hold. Um, yeah, but... Yeah. The cool, like the coolest toy that they made was that Batcave. The Batmobile and Batcave were both pretty cool. So,
1: so I hated the Batmobile because it didn't have the cover. It was open top. Yes. Uh, I loved the Batcave and had that. And I also had the Batwing.
2: Oh, yes. They did make the Batwing.
1: And a kid that I grew up with threw it to think that it would fly and broke its wings off.
2: And that was the end of your friendship. Uh,
1: Without question. So now, (laughs) when I graduated with
2: my master's, I bought the Lego edition of it. Oh, my God. Holy (laughs) cow. That must have been pricey. Hey, it
1: was my graduation gift to myself, and I got gift cards, so
2: this is is what happens
1: when you finish your master's and you say, you know what? I need a gift for myself. I'm home during a pandemic. I'm going to buy this. I haven't opened it yet, but it's here. (laughs)
2: My son just got the Batmobile for his uh, birthday. The Lego Batmobile? Uh, yes, yeah, not the giant one, oh, I'm I sure. Have a, I have a smaller one, too, somewhere that I haven't put in Yeah, the yeah, so he, we're going to put oh. that together. I don't oh, like I have
1: Lego. the giant one, too. It's just too big <laughs> to even read the box up. It's so big.
2: <laughs> I don't like Legos at all, so I'm just going to be grudgingly. Really? Yeah, I just never like them. Legos. See, it feels I- like work. It's like doing like an Ikea furniture or something.
1: I just built Ikea furniture today to set up this new studio that I'm sitting
2: in. Were you loving it the whole time? Like, oh, this is great. Look at my tiny little wrenches.
1: Oh, no, I don't use their garbage. I have my own tools. (laughs) (laughs) I use my own tools. Oh, okay. All right. I'm not a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am. But like, you know, I maybe because I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, like Legos were my friends and I played them incessantly. Like I still have all of my Legos from when I was a kid. And this was like adding on to my collection. I'm building my own bat
2: cave now with Legos. That's, uh, that's intense. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's very intense. Yeah. Uh, but so speaking of the 1989 toys, after Toy Biz made their versions we got way better versions from Kenner. Way better, yeah. With very realistic looking uh, Batman toys. Did you? And I think you guys have talked about this before. Did you have the, you know, Michael Keaton figure that you could put the costume on?
1: I did have it. Then I lost it, and then Pete from my other podcast, Box Office Thirty, just got it for me again for Christmas. So nice. I have it again. Um, that was
2: dynamite. That was a great figure.
1: It was a great figure. I also had the gold one with the rocket pack. Yep. Um, I had, I had so many. There were so many that I had. I've lost track. I've, uh, I, I actually think I had more of the Batman Returns line than I did of the Batman '89 line.
2: Okay, that that line was interesting, and hopefully we can talk about that eventually if we, we do will. Batman we'll, in Returns. We'll, we'll get there. We will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so here's a question: What was this sh- in in 1989 times 1989, 1990? What was the strangest pe- piece of Bat merchandise that you had? batten merchandise that i had
1: Ooh. i had batman mc hammer pants really <laughs> yes <laughs> the parachute pants had. i had
2: did you wear them to like school? Oh
1: yeah. School. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> parachute pants were all the rage. I wore them. I didn't care. <laughs> so
2: you were you were cool wearing those parachute pants? Oh
1: no, I was not cool. And I I caught <laughs> some
2: heat for that.
1: Let me tell you, I didn't care.
2: But... For, for me, it was that uh, you know like the sun visors you put in cars, like on your front car window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. those. We had the Batman 1989 <laughs> one, and like when we'd you know that's kind of cool. On like hot that. summer days, we'd come home, you know, from the community pool, and I'd see it in the park a lot in the distance I'd see you know yeah, Michael Keaton as Batman
1: my mom never wanted those things because she's like I don't want that stupid thing in my window I'm like but our car is 400 degrees <laughs> and we're getting home from the beach what
2: are you doing <laughs> we
1: can't even put the seatbelts on because they're burning our butt
2: cheeks because they were all metal seatbelts oh my like, god yeah and like, like the leather uh yeah that so that that was what i had i also remember there was like a projector gun that would project the back uh, no it would project like images from the movie like production stills really yeah i, that. I, thought that I got that for a birthday one year it was just i was just projecting Bat- <laughs> batman production stills all That's over my cool. house i'm trying to think of any other weird things that i
1: had from that movie i mean i held on to the actual flyer they gave to you at the movie theater from the toy biz line for years. I had that forever cuz it, it had Bob Kane's picture on the back of it. Adam still has his. He showed it to me a couple months ago.
2: <laughs> I don't yeah, I never got that. I didn't yeah, get that they, in the theater.
1: They handed it out on the on the opening night of the theater. I'm like, "Yes! Mom, order this stuff. <laughs> Call <laughs> this 1-900 number. I don't care how many minutes it costs." 1-900 bat. <laughs> yeah, something like that.
2: <laughs> so yeah, so uh we talked about the comic book adaptation from DC comics, which was drawn by Jerry Ordway and written by Denny O'Neill. You, you now have this in your collection. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things I think about this comic book is it has some like kind of deleted scenes
1: It has alternate essentially, from the alternate, movie. Yeah.
2: So toward the end of the film, after Joker falls,
1: right. They, they show where, Vicky Vale and Bruce Wayne go like they're kind of talking behind this little column. Batman is actually out of the suit and, oh. and holding the uh, uh, utility belt on his shoulder and then they have the whole, you know, the scene at the where they announce the bat symbol and then instead of Batman standing on top of the building, he kind of, you know, dramatically swoops away. Oh, yes, yeah. I love this moment where Bruce Wayne is out of the costume and kind of like hiding behind. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great, great moment, but I wonder if because it was so hard to get him out of the suit that they couldn't do it in the film
2: maybe there you know another big reveal in the comic book is when Joker's giving away free money mm-hmm. it's the his face yes,
1: his face on the money, money. yes.
2: Which he teases in the movie. He says that he wants his face on a, on a $100 bill. Yeah. yeah and the,
1: the money is his face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
2: they, they don't pay that off in the movie, but they do in the comic book.
1: Actually, have you ever freeze-framed it on a VHS in that moment? No. So, you know when he's standing on the float mm-hmm. and the money's flying and a bill lands on top of his, his uh, yes. hat? Yes, yes. There's a moment where the bill is facing up. And I would sit there and I paused it on a VHS and then I couldn't get it to stop perfectly. But when I was in college, I used the reel to reel and scrubbed it. Oh my gosh. Frame by frame. And it's his face on the
2: bill. Wow. Okay. That's So it is in the movie. It's just not a big reveal. Yeah, like, they don't make it a big life.
1: reveal, yeah. But yes, it's in the movie, funny enough. So it was one of those where I'm like I needed to know for years. And then finally <laughs> when I was in college, I'm like, I have a real to reel And I was like, one, two. <laughs> Here we <go>.
2: <laughs> So <laughs> you, really, you really went for it with Batman. Dude,
1: I used to watch this VHS. I could recite it line for line. Because I would watch it, rewind it, and watch it again over and over again without question for years and years and years i would do this and i would literally not physically watch the movie i would just sit there and listen and recite the lines of the movie was happening while i was playing with my action figures
2: on the floor that's uh, yeah and and recreating the movie as a kid yeah that's yeah, that's uh, I would do a lot of the same stuff as well, especially the scene. I'm a when, sociopath. Uh, <laughs> especially the scene when Joker falls in the uh, acid. Yes. If You can get like a little bowl of water or pot of water. Oh, man. You know what I used to do with that, too? When
1: Joker would fall at the end of the movie and I would mm-hmm. re- recreate it in my play area, I would play um, Kenny G's silhouette.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why that? Oh no, It just was like a good ending movie song. All right, you went for it.
1: It <laughs> would go all in,
0: all in.
2: To speak about the VHS, uh, this was a massive video release. And the reason it was so massive is because it went to the retail market before it went to the rental market. The way it worked then was movies would be available in video stores. Uh, they charge video stores 100 bucks per tape. That's how they made a lot of money. Uh, this was priced to own... Uh, months after the release. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie came out on June 23rd. The, vi- the video came out on November 15th of that same year. And
1: it sold out real fast. Like, yes. You had to get it the day of or you were in trouble.
2: And it kind of closed that window of theater to home video, yeah. uh, the repercussions of which we're still dealing with today when movies are now released day and date. Uh, it also spawned three sequels of varying quality, which we may or may not cover on future podcasts. (laughs) It was the main source of inspiration for what might be the best Batman adaptation ever, Batman the Animated Series, completely uh, inspired by this. And it also kicked off a wave of superhero movies, which as we said, kind of went through the nineties and this podcast is gonna go through the nineties. The following year, we saw the release of Ninja Turtles, Dick Tracy, and Michael, your favorite movie, Darkman.
1: Sorry. I'm glad we've already done that one. I'm, I'm glad we can move beyond that. But I will have to do
2: Darkman 2 and Darkman 3. Maybe, if the audience yeah, like, votes for it.
1: If they, yeah. vote, if they vote for it, sure. It's up
2: to them. I would say this was the, the definitive comic book movie until the release of Spider-Man in 2002. And yeah, it might was, even still be the definitive.
1: I, you know, I think in, in the pantheon of superhero <laughs> films, this, for me, will be always number one, without
2: question. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I think Spider-Man 2 is number two.
2: Yes. Yes. I think that's one of the... I mean, that is probably the best made Marvel movie ever. I would ever. say.
1: Um, though I like the Batman Begins movie better, I think mm. Dark, Dark Knight is more of a great film than Batman Begins. I think Dark Batman Begins is better, but but dark knight is just so like praised by the world over it's got to be number three for me i guess
2: so yeah that fits into this so we've talked about what you thought about it then and what what you thought about it now which is basically the same you love it as much as you did i can't be objective i'm sorry
1: unfortunately i cannot be objective i have to be honest like to this day it is the best superhero film Maybe other than Unbreakable.
2: Okay, I love Unbreakable as well. Yeah. And you know, just just for me as a as the film geek, did this make you love the films of Tim Burton as well? Was he one of your early inspirations, or was it just Batman? Uh,
1: just Batman probably. Okay, Batman, Batman '89, uh, and Batman Returns. I would say because I I like a lot of Tim Burton movies, but there's a lot that I don't like.
2: Uh, I don't yeah. like Edward Scissorhands. Even really? Was, huh. Like it. Saw it at my ninth birthday party. Uh, ninth, 10th, 10th birthday party. I don't like uh, nightmare before Christmas. It's yeah. It has its moments. It has great songs.
1: Yeah. I like big fish a lot. I don't. Um, I think it's a, it's good. It's a good, it's a good turn for him. I feel like it's a different take. Um, I like Beetlejuice. I don't like Sweeney
2: Todd. Yeah. Um, For me, his run from 1985 to 1994
1: is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, uh, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure is awesome. Yes. He
2: was Big Adventure to Ed Wood. Ed Wood is probably... is definitely, is
1: awesome. Ed Wood's probably his best film.
2: I agree. That's my favorite Tim Burton movie. One of my top five favorite movies. It just kind of nails his tone. But then yeah. since Ed Wood, he hasn't made anything I've truly loved. Yeah. Um, I agree. But I would say this is, in many ways, this is the definitive movie for Tim Burton. When you oh, think, I think about this, is his, this is his career-making movie? Yes, yes. And uh, you know. I don't know if this is the movie that one would say defines his style. Maybe that's you know it's, Edward Scissorhands.
1: Well, this is not his style, though. It, I, I'd say this is like it's got glimpses of his style, uh-huh. but for the most part, it's like. I think Batman Returns is more his style than
2: this movie. Yes. Is. For better or worse, Batman yeah. Returns is more his style. And he has said in interviews that he thinks this is like partially a good movie. There's good things about it, but this is not like his baby. Right. You know, this is, this was a lot of producers who had their say. Uh, a lot of the ending was just kind of created without his knowledge. Mm-hmm. The script was being written kind of, on the fly and, and rewritten
1: as they were making
2: it. Yes, yes. So you know, it, they it shows more, They wanted to lean more into the Jack
1: Nicholson, and you know, because he's just such a scene stealer in this movie that they wanted to give him more to do in the movie. And they made the movie essentially a Joker movie for the most part. He's he's in more scenes than Batman.
2: Yes, yes. And you know, like you know, there's some scenes that just feel a little out of nowhere. Like there's a scene when uh, Bruce Wayne goes to visit. Vicki Vale in her apartment Mm -hmm. and Joker bursts in. And then you don't like that
1: scene? You don't like that scene?
2: I'm fine with it. It's a little out of nowhere.
1: It is a little out of nowhere. Like, I don't know. Let's
2: get nuts. And then he puts like the silver plate as a bulletproof vest. It's just like, you know, when Batman and Joker face off, you want to see Batman and Joker face off. (laughs) And I don't know why he's smashing a a vase on (laughs) (laughs) Vicki's mantle leave her alone
1: i don't know i like i like that scene a lot but i can see where you're coming from like i i love the moment before he shows up when he tries to tell her that he's batman and he's like trying to explain his life and it's just like this weird like you know how like normal people they get up they Mm -hmm. go downstairs they eat breakfast they kiss somebody goodbye she's like oh my god you're married <laughs> yes like, like it's just a, such a great piece of dialogue and i'm like yeah how do you explain somebody you're batman <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> That I, I like that part of the scene it's just once the joker comes in it just becomes a completely different
1: yeah thing. i can see that yeah
2: there's also that scene when he's hanging upside down as he's sleeping which I as a kid that scene i thought that was really cool as a kid Oh, it's beautiful though. It's beautifully shot. The
1: light coming in, the whole thing. It's just oh, it's magical.
2: It's like, cool. It's a little I, weird.
1: I bought an inversion table just to do that.
2: <laughs> oh <God>. oh <laughs> I no! It in my
1: basement. Oh I, no! I wanted
2: gravity boots for the longest time and not the pull-up bar. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, and yeah, the scene when Joker pulls out that long gun and shoots down the Batwing. Also, I like it. It's a little strange.
1: It's a very strange moment. It doesn't make sense. It's like, how powerful
2: is that bullet to
1: take down that entire plane?
2: Yeah, and, and Batman can't hit Joker. Right. Even yeah. though he's got the scope. You know. Whatever. So it goes. Um, so the big question is, where does this fit in the pantheon of bad films for you? I'm going to assume this is your favorite Batman movie of all time. Yes.
1: I have a question for you, though.
2: Yes. You know, one of the biggest tropes of Batman
1: in the comics, at least, is Batman doesn't kill. Mm -hmm. In this movie, in Returns, in Batman Begins, in the Batman V Superman movies, Batman kills a lot of people. How do you feel about Batman killing people or not?
2: I, I, yeah, um, I don't like it, I guess. I I think in this... I think because I was younger when I saw this, it didn't really, I didn't think about it. Mm. Uh, you know, they were bad guys. It was very TV kind right. of thing, you know. Good guys kill bad guys. Mm. And this is the 80s and RoboCop was the big thing that came out uh, mm. kind of in this tone. So it didn't really bother me. I think now just how hyper-violent some of these movies are. Yeah, that's uh, Which that's these were accused of then, but it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Like in Man of Steel, when they're just decimating buildings mm-hmm. full of people and it, you're just like, okay, like what, the, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you just, What's the point?
1: You just literally kill 50,000 people in a building. <laughs> yeah.
2: Go to the moon, fight on the moon. What the hell are you doing here on earth? Uh, so yeah, it, I guess it didn't bother me. I think the one, the one time it did bother me is there's that scene in Batman Returns when he he's like a bomb
1: on the guy yes
2: exactly that scene <laughs> he's duking it out with a big guy and he just attaches a bomb to his chest and he's like so long <laughs> yeah that's see great. you later <laughs> <laughs> yeah so
1: i didn't I, in this movie i did not care that batman killed Yeah, especially in the bell tower when he's fighting that guy and he grabs him by the neck with his legs and throws him down the elevator shaft or the the stairwell, the bell tower shaft. I was like, I'm also looking at like this. This is Batman's like first year being Batman or so. Maybe he's still learning how to be Batman. And sometimes in this case, if he didn't kill those guys, He probably would have had to still be fighting them while fighting the Joker at the same time. And I'm okay with it. The problem that I have with this movie with the killing, they make it such a big deal that Batman and Joker's origins are so linked that once you kill your arch enemy who killed your parents, who made your life the way it is,
2: wouldn't you be done? That's a good question. And clearly tim burton if you read the press at the time had no intention of coming back
1: right there was no plan of being a sequel there was no like it was going to be a one and done batman movie
2: well i i mean i think that they wanted to make sequels i just don't think tim burton particularly wanted to make a sequel mm-hmm. but they basically dragged him back for batman returns and right. let him do whatever he wanted and that's how he got batman returns yeah uh so yeah i mean it's tough. And you know, it, it's funny because Dark Knight got it so right in mm. that in Batman not killing Joker. And there's that mm. line where he's like, I think we're going to do this forever. Yeah, And unfortunately, because of a real tragedy, you didn't get to see that Batman Joker relationship play okay. out uh, as you wanted it to. I think for this movie, it makes sense that the Joker dies. I uh, think it
1: makes sense. I just think it also, it, it begs the question of like, if you've just really close the loop on your your big tragedy. Do you need yes. to be Batman anymore?
2: Well, and you know what's the arc in Batman returns? What's Batman's story? Right. I he mean, doesn't really have a story. He
1: doesn't have an arc. Yeah, it's just he's just Batman still. Yeah. yeah. He falls in love with Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, Selena Kyle, but like beyond that, like there's nothing that's the driving force for him other than taking down the bad guy. It it it, it makes the Batman Bruce Wayne character be less significant to the story.
2: Yeah, yeah. So for me, I would say that Dark Knight is my favorite Batman okay, movie. Fair enough. Um, i put this, I might say I like Begins more than this. And then Batman. I also really love Batman Forever. I have a real <laughs> soft spot in my heart for Batman Forever. I, okay. And the Batman 66 movie. I love that one. I do like that one too. The submarine is fun so good Um, uh so yeah
1: i so okay if i had to rank it this is number one for me begins is number two for me return dark knight is number three batman returns is four batman 66 is five um batman forever would be seven or no six i guess batman v superman is seven whoa batman v superman is that high it 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 beats batman and robin let's put it that way really yeah
2: oh i'd watch batman and robin all day every day
1: (laughs) over that one
2: i hate that movie
1: now i have a question for you this Mm -hmm. is totally off topic of batman 89 but in the batman 66 who's your favorite catwoman
2: oh julie newmar really yes Hands I, down, easily. I, I, thought, Julie Newmar.
1: I thought Lee Merriweather in the movie is just so good. Miss Kitka?
2: Come on. <laughs> I look. I love Lee Merriweather. She's fantastic. I can't say a negative thing about her. Eartha Kit. great.
1: Eartha Kitt Come was
2: awesome. on. Julie Newmar. It's only going to be Julie Newmar. No one's really? ever going to top her as Catwoman. Really? really? She's just Catwoman. All right. Geez. She's so good. She just has that. Her and Adam West, you know, their chemistry is they just... They great
1: chemistry, yes. Now, what's your melting favorite?
2: off the screen. What's your favorite Riddler? Oh, Frank Gorshin. Come on. Frank,
1: yeah, Frank Gorshin, for sure. Uh, without question.
2: Absolutely. Who, so. so it's been Frank Gorshin, John Aston, Jim Carrey, and, and then that. I guess that kid from the Gotham or whatever the hell that was. Yeah, and then
1: the Riddler's in the the Batman movie, but he looks nothing like the Riddler in this movie. Yeah,
2: so yeah. Riddler's my favorite Batman villain, so... I like Riddler
1: a lot too. Like, I think because of Riddler's intelligence, he adds a unique foil to Batman in in that sense. He's the one that really challenges him psychologically.
2: Yes. And so I remember one of the big things that happened after this movie was a giant hit, was all this speculation about who the next villains would be. And they wanted
1: Robin Williams to play the the Riddler.
2: They did. They did. And they even at one point were talking to him about playing the Joker because Jack Nicholson was playing hardball. Mm -hmm. so apparently they used robin williams as bait he really wanted to do it they were going to sign him on to play the joker and it was just a way to get jack nicholson to finally sign the contract
1: and robin williams was so mad that's why he turned down
2: playing the riddler which is such a letdown such a letdown he would have been so good he would have been fantastic and especially in a tim burton directed one that would have been neat
1: i really think that if robin williams had agreed to play the riddler then you would have gotten Tim Burton back and Michael Keaton back. I know that Warner Brothers was mad because of the way that Batman Returns really destroyed the marketing and, yeah. you know, that whole thing with McDonald's. But I think that if you could have gotten those three players for that third movie, oh boy, it would have been <laughs> a game changer.
2: It would have been something. It would have really been something. So let's uh, move on to our to a segment that we're going to do in every episode. Okay. The rapid fire questions. So I'll start best Batman moment.
1: Well, I already mentioned it earlier it was that moment in the cave when him and Alfred are talking and they're closing the bats bat vault, I guess. I love that moment. I also love the moment. Probably my second favorite part is when he brings Vicki Vale to the bat cave for the first time mm-hmm. and, she, and she sees all the bats and all he says is they're
2: great survivors just love that moment. And he pulls that big electrical thing to turn all the lights on. Oh, it's awesome. It's beautiful. (laughs) That's great. Uh, For me, I mean, that first scene, the I'm Batman scene. Oh, yeah, that is great. uh, And the actor who plays the guy that he grabs is also fantastic. His name is Christopher Fairbank, and he's Mm -hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. He is in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yeah, he plays like the dealer at the like jewel shop, jewelry shop. Uh, But I also really like the scene When he's talking to uh, Knox and Vicky Vale in the mansion, you just get the sense that Bruce Wayne is just kind of out of the real world. In that like armory room, (laughs) yes, he can't pick up on jokes or social cues. He he gives Knox a grant because he (laughs) it's funny. Knox is all living room, dining room, arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah he's great
1: he is great another one that they screwed up by not having him back in the sequel like another missed opportunity
2: i concur and we can we can keep going with this because we have another section coming up and we can talk a little bit more about robert wall okay
1: so next question is what is your favorite or best joker moment
2: in the movie for me something that i think is so funny is when he's on tv he's in that Supermarket and he's dancing around with the shopping cart. Yes. It's just one of those moments when it's so comic booky and silly, and you love that the Joker can be brutal and violent, but also just such a goof.
1: Yeah. That is a good moment. I love that moment, but I also love the first big reveal when he pulls the hat off and he kills Jack palance Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's
2: It's in the trailer. It's in the first trailer. It is in the trailer.
1: And I also like uh, the part where, what's his girlfriend's name in the movie? That's Alicia. Alicia. She walks in and he goes,
2: you'll never believe what happened to me today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that moment. She <laughs> faints. <laughs>
2: oh, that's so good. That's a good one. I also really like his scene with Vicky Vale at the, uh, at the, at the museum. Mm-hmm just how he's like trying to play it like a regular date. <laughs> yes. He's destroyed millions of dollars of expensive artwork. Oh god. He's great in that scene.
1: Go ahead. So, what's the next question?
2: In general favorite scene. You've mentioned the one. Let's let's think about another.
1: Um, well, I mentioned earlier in the trailer is just when he's flying around in the batwing and he's gathering up all the balloons and he flies up to the moon. Like that moment still to this day, like, just it takes my breath away. It's just, it's so great. And also, a smaller scene is the scene when Vicki Vale and Bruce Wayne are in the giant dining room. Mm-hmm. And she's like, can you pass the salt? And then he goes, and then she asks him, like, you know,
2: do you eat in here a lot? And he goes, I don't think I've ever been in this room before.
1: <laughs> I love that scene. It's so good. So my good. friends
2: and I would quote that scene all the time all the time yeah it's, it's uh, uh, awesome you know what what uh, one moment that i love and this is kind of a scene it's the axis chemicals first scene that shot of batman rising up in the in like the smoke bomb yes and he like grapples
1: up and he's like flying away with the car the cape all spread out that's really beautiful
2: and in that scene when when pat Hingle just says my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh it's... my god
2: exactly <laughs> You feel the weight. Keep
1: keep a lid on this. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, What's your least favorite scene? Least favorite scene. I'm going to have to think about this one. Hmm.
1: It's hard.
2: It's hard because I really do like most of this movie. I would say something that I find a little silly in this movie is Jack Palance. (laughs) (laughs) And just the idea, and I you know, maybe now it makes more sense as I'm older, just these two old dudes fighting over this young woman. And he's just like sugar plum. You're like, you're eighty. You're eighty, easily. And you're acting like sugar plum, where are you? (laughs) But Uh, yeah, and Palance is just he's a lot, you know. He makes Nicholson look small in his scenes. He, does. he does, but he's so great. Come on, he's so great. So, yeah, yeah, um, I would say some of the Palin stuff, it pushes it a little bit for me.
1: Least favorite. Part where Alicia in the museum removes the, the mask off her face. Up until probably I was maybe about 15 years old, I used to cover my
2: eyes because I was scared of it. <laughs> I, I closed my eyes in the theater for that part, and also my mom closed our eyes for the part when the Joker joy buzzed the guy. Yes, and barbecued him until he was just like a corpse. Yeah, uh, I just felt my mom's hands just like covering my eyes. <laughs> I think that Alicia scene was on a the trading cards because the trading cards were a huge deal. We had the whole set.
1: Yeah, I didn't have the whole set, but I had a lot of them. I still do somewhere.
2: But... And we were, you know, we would. We just did not want to look at it on the trading card. It's one thing in the movie, but to have a still image of it permanently I in your home. I couldn't
1: look at it. No way. No way. Still scary.
2: Yeah. Too much. So a favorite supporting character. Who's your favorite su- supporting character that's not Batman or the Joker?
1: Well, I feel like we're going to both say Knox.
2: Yeah. yeah. I really like I Knox.
1: Do, I, I do like Bob the Joker's goon. But Knox has got to got to seal it for me, especially when like he walks into the newsroom, which is like, you know, whatever it's the Gotham Gazette or whatever they mm-hmm. call it that. I forget. I think it was they called it the Gotham Globe. And uh, and one of the like the like the comic artists hands him like the drawing of a bat man. And he goes, got to put a little more go on the fangs, you know, and he walks away. He's like, what a
2: dick. <laughs> i'm that, sorry so,
1: adam i gotta put it in there, <laughs> it in there. <laughs>
2: that was supposed to be bob kane in the cameo
1: really was it supposed yes
2: to? and if you look at the signature it does say bob kane on that drawing yeah it was supposed to be bob kane and he got sick that day at least that's the story they said lord knows that bob kane was just a terrible actor and they decided to not <laughs> do it interesting <laughs> yes that that. that that was supposed to be bob kane I, I also love Knox and I feel like he kind of got, got shortchanged, Like you said, not being in the sequel, he was such a big part of this movie,
1: such a major part. Like, especially with Vicky Vale being gone in the sequel and him being gone. Like, like, you know what it, the biggest problem with that is with not having him there, you lose a lot of the levity that he brought to the movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: and yes. It makes you that Use the hammer- human element. It, it makes Batman returns more heavy and there's not as much jokes in it as they are in the
2: first movie. Yeah. There's no audience avatar in Batman returns. Everyone's yeah. a maniac. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Walken is one of the villains.
1: I, I hate him in that movie. I hate <sighs> him in that movie. I hate him more than I hate the penguin.
2: <laughs> Maybe we'll get to it. We'll see. Maybe. But yes.
1: So yeah. Um, what's your favorite piece of merchandise for,
2: from this movie, I would have to say I do love the cereal. The cereal was pretty fantastic. The Nintendo game was a lot of fun when you could like cling on the walls. Yes.
1: He was purple, though. in the video He game. was the
2: purple Batman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they made and,
1: that into an action figure
2: recently. Oh, yes. I did see that. <laughs> it's
1: an action figure. You could buy it now.
2: That's true. Yeah, right. I would say that second line of Kenner toys, when you got that kind of costume appropriate Michael Keatony looking Batman mm-hmm. and the Joker that had the face paint where you could, if you put an ice cube on it and
1: it wet it and it would like wear off. Yeah.
2: Yes. I would say that Batman and that Joker were I, the I things that, that I loved the most. I had that one too.
1: I love that one. Those were great. Those so, were great. So of that era, I'd have to say, you know, the action figures bar none were just my everything. The cereal is pretty good. I did, I did get the cereal for a long, long time. It's good. Uh, you know, it did slice off the roof of your mouth a few times. But you know, like but, Captain Crunch. But yeah, and I also have like the Hot Toys, Batman, Hot Toys, Joker. I don't have the uh, Mime Joker because I just didn't need two Jokers. But I do have the, for Batman Returns, it's Michael Keaton and the Batsuit. So it's it's both figures. They're just not on display. Oh, interesting. So I, so I have those and I also have from DC Direct, I have a statue of Batman. It's horrible. It's horrible. I I think it's the worst-looking statue I own, but it but it, <laughs> but it was the very first one that I ever bought. So that's why I have it on display.
2: So it has some sentimental value.
1: Yeah. And my my buddy Pete Sussy who was a groomsman in my wedding, he's a 3d animator and designer and all kinds of, stuff, but he's also an artist and he's a sculptor and a painter. And he handmade a line of Batman, the Joker and the penguin painted sculpted the whole thing that he put into contest in this time. And when we, when I got married, he gave them to me.
2: Wow. That's a friend in your opinion. What is this movie missing? If anything, what is this movie missing? A giant dinosaur in the back
1: that could be one or a coin, but I guess he hasn't gotten there yet. You know? I know, yeah. But I don't know what is this movie missing. I I honestly think this movie is missing payoff for him and Vicky Vale. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's missing, you know, what's a, a big thing of movies today, and it, it more or less stems from Batman Begins, is the tease for more villains to come.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kinda like that this is closed off. If you wanted to, you could pretend that there were never any more Batman movies.
1: I would have also liked to see more interactions between him and Commissioner Gordon, because there's none of that in this whole movie. They don't they don't have a scene together.
2: I agree. And I think Commissioner Gordon I love Pat Hangel, but they don't really do They
1: don't he doesn't get much to do.
2: He doesn't get much to do. And he's also an older gentleman, and you don't see like a chance for there to be a relationship. Apparently there was a deleted scene where Pat Hingle, or Young Commissioner Gordon, was the officer on the scene of the Wayne family murder, much Bruce like in Batman Begins, right. which they kind of repurposed. And there's like a still of a young Bruce Wayne in the newspaper, and that's supposed to be a young Commissioner Gordon with him. Oh, but, really? Yeah, and, and then he returns. I mean, Commissioner Gordon's barely in it.
1: Barely in it. He's like a blinking—you miss him.
2: Yeah. It was, it was I like, mean, they give him more to do in
1: Forever in Batman and Robin for his own detriment. I feel like, unfortunately
2: yeah for for me this movie is missing robin still really? maybe maybe it wouldn't have worked in this first one but give me robin and batman returns yeah i think give, if, give me a tim burton robin
1: you know i i think especially if they had gone and done so let's see returns came out in 92 yes when did long halloween come out
2: that's a good question that was later because Dark Victory does Robin, right? Right. Dark Victory does Robin, and does it well. Does it near perfect? Uh, when did
1: Dark Victory come out? Ninety six. Uh, yeah. So even then, it's too late. I don't know. I, I I think that, especially because of the lack of, Knox in Batman, Returns, mm-hmm. have, having a Dick Grayson kid kind of running around might have added a little bit of levity to that story. I, yeah. I don't. I don't think it. You know, it needed the Robin in this movie because he's still kind of like establishing himself, mm-hmm. and I think it would have taken away from the the journey that he goes on with getting Joker.
2: I agree. I, I think. I think Robin did not need to be in this movie as much as it bummed me out as a kid that he wasn't. I. I really think he should have been in Batman Returns. I and it, so. it's kind of annoying that in the two, you know, I guess eventually he comes into Batman forever, but in the Burton movies and the Nolan movies, Robin's just completely ignored yeah. more yeah. or less.
1: Unfortunately, because of these two movies, Batman and, and returns it. Um, and because of the campiness of forever and Batman and Robin, it almost set a precedence that you don't want to have Robin in this movie because it's only going to hurt story.
2: Yes. Yes, it's going to make it cheesy and, and blah, blah, blah. And and Robin's a great character. Mm-hmm. And Robin was invented or invented. Robin was created a year after Batman. Right. So this whole Dark Knight thing, and we're going back to the Bob Kane vision, it's like that lasted for a year?
1: Barely, because Joker, Catwoman, and Robin were all created in 1940. Mm-hmm. Like almost in the same couple of issues. Like it's a, it's like a three issue thing where they all three of them appear. Catwoman and Joker appear in the first in Batman. Number one. Yes. And I think Robin shows up in Batman. Number three, I think,
2: right. He's detective comics. 38, 38. Okay. That's what it is. 38. So put Robin in there. For the love of God, make me a good Robin movie. You know,
1: and and here's the thing about Robin though. And this is my biggest complaint, even though I love Tim Drake in the comics. Having Batman have too many Robins, it takes away the mystery of who is Batman. Like, you'd think Commissioner Gordon could figure out, gee, this guy's <laughs> got like five boys that, that live in his house, but then Batman's got like five boys that fight crime with him. Huh,
2: let's, uh, I wonder. Think, we'll, we'll, yeah, they will figure it out eventually.
1: But I would have loved to have seen like with Robin you know you see him as robin in returns and maybe in forever and then he grows to becoming nightwing in the in the in the fourth movie
2: yeah and that's i mean batman and robin was kind of teasing a bit of a nightwing it has the nightwing costume we'll get
1: there at some point yeah I'll go full nightwing
2: <laughs> if you had to give this movie an
1: overall objective grade i know how you feel
2: about Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. But what would you grade this movie? So are we talking like on a scale of one to ten bats or a letter grade? I'll give it a letter grade.
1: A plus being the highest.
2: Yeah, I'd say a solid B plus A minus. Really? That low? A minus is low?
1: I'd give it a hard. (laughs) Like if A A plus is the best thing ever made, I'd give this an A.
2: Okay. And that's fair. That's because, fair.
1: And, and I'll tell you why it reinvented Batman. Because everybody before this, all they thought of Batman was the Batman 66, campiness, bam, pow. It reinvented not only Batman, but comic book movies and the genre collectively, like TV shows. You know, if you say that the Spider Man show or the X Men show or any of these things didn't stem from the fact that Batman was so strong and then they got Batman the animated series out of it essentially, nothing else would have come after it.
2: I agree. I'm just saying as a movie I would give it like an A minus. Okay. Fair B- enough. plus. Just because, you know, there's some it's not a perfect script. It's not a perfect script. No, it's not. I agree. It's... Uh a lot of it's style over substance. Mm-hmm. But again, I love it and I you know I have two copies on VHS, so. I I think, you know,
1: barring a couple of necessary maybe edits that they could have cut things out of the movie for, overall, I think it paints the picture of these two characters really, really well. And doesn't hit hit you over the head with Batman's always depressed. I think that's really important, especially now if you look back in, you know, the history of all these movies, like this is, yeah, he's sad, but he's also he's still Batman. He doesn't have to be always crying over his parents all the time. Like he has another uh, another mission because of that.
2: Yes. Yeah. All right. So next one. <laughs> this is such not rapid. That's okay.
1: That's okay.
2: Uh, where does this Batmobile rank on on-screen Batmobiles for you? Please, <laughs> please. This is this is the paramount. This. <laughs> This
1: and the animated series Batmobiles, that's it. Everything else can go away. I don't care. Now,
2: do we forget that this is kind of an on-screen Batmobile? Yeah, alright, that's number three for me. Okay. If we're counting 66, that's gotta be my favorite, but I think this is the best of the Batman movie Batmobiles. It just
1: looks like something Batman would drive. Like, the tumbler looks like a tank that gobbledygook thing and batman v superman is awful oh it's terrible it's hideous you know it just doesn't feel like like, this feels like a batmobile like and just the fact that they built this was the first car they built like out of nothing like that car was built
2: but it's on the frame of another car this is
1: literally they imagine this thing and it's just awesome to me in my opinion
2: I'll agree. I think it's, I think it's the best on screen Batmobile. It's, okay, it's so cool. I swayed you.
1: Good. Uh, <laughs> where does the Joker rank on cinematic Jokers?
2: For me, he's number two behind Heath Ledger. Okay. Heath Ledger's Joker, you know, it just, it's scary as hell. That character, you know, this, this character is, you see his origin story more. Whereas the Heath Ledger Joker, you don't know where he's he a comes mystery. from. Yeah, he's a, you he's know, a... what his motives are. He just scares you to your core. And then like the whole, you know, the whole thing where Heath Ledger died before it adds like another eerie, strange layer to that performance. Uh, but then I would say Nicholson's too. And then I don't care who's after <laughs> Heath Ledger. Cause I hated both of those oh, terrible jokers so much. You didn't like the Joaquin Phoenix one? No. Not at all. Really? I, thought- I like the production design. I like the the set design. I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I didn't
1: hate it. Um, I don't know. Like, I love Jack Nicholson. That I just, to me, when I think of Joker, I think of him. And I, listen, I will never take away anything from Heath Ledger because it was breathtaking. But this is my favorite
2: Joker. So, okay. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. So building off that, where does Keaton rank for you on the list of big screen Batman? Batman. Do I really need to answer this question? Come on. <laughs> he's your number Come one?
1: Come on, he's number one. Keaton, okay. Number one. Okay, that's good. Absolutely. Without question, he's Batman. He still to this day says he's Batman. Granted, Adam West would say he was Batman until the day he died, but that's
2: besides the point. Well, Adam West was Batman. That's the difference. One man says he's Batman, but one man is Batman. Yeah, I mean, if you're discluding 66 Batman, which again, Adam West is the best, I think Christian Bale's the better Batman for me. You know, just Batman Begins gets into that Bruce Wayne storyline in such a great way. I love the Bruce Wayne character in Batman Begins.
1: So here's the thing. If they had just done Batman Begins, I would agree with you. But Christian Bale, to me, in... Batman uh, the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises phones it in. Is that what you think? 100%. Phones it in. I didn't get that feeling. The, the voice that he had as Batman in Begins is perfect. But then he yes. changes it to that gravelly underwater voice in the next two movies and it kills it for me.
2: It's yeah it's, it gets to be a bit much at times.
1: And the bat suit in Batman Begins is so much better than the other two movies. So much better.
2: In general I don't like any of the bat suits in the dark, in like the Batman uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. They they never really got it as well as they got it in this one. Yeah. And even in Batman Returns when they modify his bat suit doesn't look as good as the no, first Batman. No, this is still the best one. And then in Batman Forever again doesn't look as good. Batman and Robin by Batman and Robin it's just over the top.
1: Yeah. Okay. But,
2: yeah, sure. yeah, this is the best bat suit. Okay, I would, I would just say I really love the Bruce Wayne story in Batman Begins. I do love the Bruce Wayne story in Batman Begins. It is,
1: it is the most clear and dis- and succinct uh, Bat- like Bruce Wayne origin, I think. Yes. But wait, there's more. It was announced over the summer that Michael Keaton will be reprising his role as Batman in DC's new The Flash, Flashpoint, whatever you want to call it, movie. In fact, new rumors are that he will be starring in maybe a new Batman Beyond style movie where he mentors either Batgirl, Nightwing, or maybe even Terry McGinnis. Now, let me, before I ask you my question, this was like my rant that I wanted to have.
2: Oh, okay. So this is the Triple F bomb rant. Oh
1: man, I'm <sighs> going to I'm going to try so hard not to drop curses for this. Okay. So like I love rumor mills and I love watching the YouTube videos of people that post this, post that, yada yada yada. Every single day a YouTuber posts, "Oh, Keaton's going to be the new Batman in the franchise. Affleck's still going to be Batman. They don't know what the hell they're talking about they just post all these things and it makes me so mad that i want to break my phone because they don't know i think what's going to happen is this if this ezra miller flash movie ever gets made which Mm -hmm. i don't think it will personally that's my first thing secondly they've been talking about this being a multiverse film they've been planning this for so long that they screwed it up because of the fact that you've got Doctor Strange coming out, which is the multiverse of madness.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Spider-Man three movie, which is also a multiverse story that they're going to be so late to the game with this movie that it's going to look like they're copying, even though they were the first one to announce they wanted to do multiverse, but because they're wasting so much time, it's going to feel like it's too late.
2: That's the classic DC movies
1: problem. And, And I don't think he's going to be Batman per se. I think he's going to be Bruce Wayne as old Bruce Wayne. He might be Batman in the flashpoint movie a little bit, but I've also heard that Affleck is also going to make an appearance in the flashpoint movie as well. I think that if, if the movie does well, which I don't think it will, they're going to try to spin it off into a Batman beyond kind of a, a take is my theory. That's my feeling.
2: Yeah, I mean when this news dropped, I, I just like lost my mind. I was so excited. I don't really care about a Flash movie with Ezra care. Miller. I, don't I just care. don't care. I, I think, don't like Justice League. I think
1: Ezra Miller was the worst casting they could have ever done for the Flash. Ever. Like, he doesn't embody Barry Allen at all and he's got too much off-screen drama mm-hmm. I think it hurts the mythos of that character as well.
2: I want there to be another Michael Keaton Batman movie. Right, I do. Too. I do. And there's been rumors that with Flashpoint, they're going to bring in all these alternate universe versions of characters. There was talk of a Nicolas Cage Superman making an appearance, which would make me lose my mind. With <laughs> it excitement. would be pretty awesome. That'd be <laughs> if, so that happened,
1: cool. if that happened, that'd be so cool.
2: Yeah. Look. Either way, I'm going to see this movie. Right. I'm not excited for a Flash movie. I'm gonna see it because I want to see Michael Keaton play Batman again. Right. And I wish they would just do a direct sequel to, uh, you know, 1992's Batman Returns. Right. And just do that. Build off that. Have him train someone else. I'd love
1: love to close the loop with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and and bring her back and see where they are. Like. you could do an earth Two where they're married and they have a daughter named Helena Wayne who becomes Huntress and then becomes her
2: own Batman. Maybe we could do that. I sure. Don't know. Sure. Or you could do Damien Wayne and do, do another Robin do style, style storyline. Yeah. I, 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 that's exciting to me and I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it, Ezra, if it ever
1: happens. The Ezra Miller thing I'm not pumped about, but hopefully it'll just be the, you know, movie that creates more movies it's like you know when they do that with like a lot of franchise movies i feel like they did it with like thor the dark world they just did that movie to usher in another movie to come after it
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it's and that's like dc kind of works backwards it seems they don't they have no forethought they don't think about things yeah uh with their franchises and now i don't know like there's the batman and then there's the Affleck Batman and then the Michael Keaton Batman—it and just seems it's good. Har- hard to keep track of.
1: Hard to keep track, and I think people are going to get annoyed by it personally.
2: I guess we'll see, but I am really excited to see Michael Keaton play Batman again. Me too, if and especially yeah, and especially if they do it like in that kind of universe. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see the Tim Burton Riddler. Bring him in. Yeah. And see what his deal was. Do You have any like final thoughts or anything? I uh, I you know I think this is the perfect movie to kick off this podcast with uh this was the superhero movie of our childhood uh as impactful as you know star wars was for kids of the 70s i think batman was that for kids of the 80s and 90s right. so it's good if you haven't seen it watch it if, if you, you haven't have seen, seen it, it
1: why are you listening to this podcast I <laughs> Go to um, <laughs> yeah no I, I i agree this was a, a great movie to start this you know podcast on and this is such a big movie for me and it's such an important movie to finally talk about that i'm like glad i can sit here and nerd out with you for the last two plus hours and and talk about this movie
2: (laughs) (laughs) we'll try to pare it down as this goes on yeah so this is the first episode in what is the 90s super cinema podcast the remaining episodes will only be available on patreon and so as this series kicks off we're going to go beyond batman 1989 And in doing so, we're putting the power in your hands. You see, we're planning to go through movies year by year from 1990 through 1999, meaning next month will be 1990, the following month will be 1991, and so on and so forth. But we're going to let you, the audience, decide what movies we watch based on our Twitter polls. So next month, we're going to do 1990, and our three choices are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Captain America, or... The Death of the Incredible Hulk. Michael, any favorites there? Well, I would love
1: to do Death of the Incredible Hulk, but if the audience picks Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I have a fantastic shirt to wear for that podcast. You'll love it, and you'll wish you had one too. <laughs> I, can, I can almost guarantee it.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's a good tease. That would be a lot of fun.
1: Any, any, any of those
2: any of your favorites what's what's your favorite of that list i, think I mean
1: turtles for you
2: i do love turtles a lot i for me i don't think if i think if we don't talk about the death of the incredible hulk nobody will so true. maybe maybe that if, if you're an obscure superhero movie person
1: if we can find it I mean, I'm sure he has it on VHS.
2: DVD, I, I have it on DVD. Do you really have a yes. DVD? Yes, I've got the incredible... A bootleg or like a legit... No, a legit, man. <laughs> I'm legit. <laughs> okay. I've got the whole incredible whole TV movie tri- trilogy on DVD. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yes, yes.
1: So thanks so much for joining us for the first episode of Wizards, the Podcast Guide to Comics, 90s Super Cinema
2: Podcast. Until next time, Steven? Don't forget to keep your books bagged. Wait, let me do that again, because I think I <laughs> wrote a joke. Until next time, don't forget to keep your books bat-bagged and bat-boarded.
1: <laughs> okay. I
2: heard a joke time. in there.
1: Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Joke. It's,
2: joke. it's a joke.
1: It's a joke. I'm just joking. <laughs>